Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the free kick on the Sports Grid TV network. Martino Puccio, alongside me, is Davis Maddock to break down all the top matchups throughout Europe, best bets, biggest games, and transfer news now because everything's heating up. Davis, how was your week of soccer again? Because it just hasn't stopped at all. It, uh, it never stops. Seems like every day, you know, we have big matches going on in La Liga. We have the Bundesliga wrapped up now, big matches going on in the Serie A and, uh, you know, of course, the FA Cup. It's just been it's just been crazy. Like, it's hard to keep your mind wrapped around, like, literally everything that's all taking place at the same time. Yeah, I've been trying to slow down a little bit because it's been very difficult, especially with England, where they have so many rounds left in this FA Cup and it's still a lot of top teams facing off against each other and just seeing how they rotate everybody. Like, I, I didn't even want to bother touching Manchester United after they went 120 minutes against Norwich in the FA Cup. But yet again, Bruno Fernandes comes through for them 2 nothing. But obviously the biggest story, and you could argue all the sports at this point because there's nothing really going on over here, um, to the magnitude, but Liverpool finally won the Premier League. The first time they've won the new modern-day Premier League, which started around the mid-90s. It is technically their 19th league title in general in England. First time since 1990, Davis. I don't know how old you are, but it's the first time in my life that Liverpool has won a league title. I mean, look, props to them. They absolutely dominated this league all year round. Every time you still look at the table, you think of like how amazing it is that they're up around 20 points. Especially seeing how great City has been the past couple of years. You could argue City is the greatest domestic English team of all time, considering all the trophies they've won and the points they accumulated over the past couple of years. So, yeah, what were your thoughts on them this season and, and how, how great were they? Because, I mean, despite, you know, early Champions League exit, they made it back-to-back uh, uh, Champions League finals. So it's not like um, it, it wasn't much of a failure there. They could still hang uh, their heads high on that. Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting with Liverpool because you look at their roster, uh, and as you and I are talking, they're about to play Manchester City in what's basically a, a charity match at, at this point, and you go, okay, you know, Salah, uh, Firmino, and Mane are all, you know, super strong players at kind of a down year for Roberto Firmino, actually, eight goals and seven assists in 31 league games. Uh, and actually, what's crazy is Salah was better last year when he won the Golden Boot, 17 goals, seven assists this year. I think what made them better this year is the the midfield was not, they didn't produce goals, you know, the way that some other teams' midfields produce goals, but they were just able to get so many healthy minutes from, uh, you know, from Jorginho Wijnaldum, from Jordan Henderson, and, uh, you know, Fabinho was obviously fantastic this year. Milner was really good when they played him, and, uh, but I actually think the, the and I don't know if people will agree or disagree with this, Virgil van Dyke really makes such a difference for them. I, I really do think that he is the best center, you know, just the best center back in football right now. He's able to start their counterattacks really well. He commands their defense. And if you look at, at what makes Liverpool historically great, yeah, I mean, the offense is fantastic. They've scored 71, 70 goals this year, but that's actually less than Manchester City. It's only 10 more than Leicester. They've only allowed 21 goals, though, and those those 21 goals allowed, I mean, no one is even close, right? People are, are 10 Three goals Three of them came game. against Watford, too. So, I mean, it's like you take out their worst possible game. They're under 20. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, go go look at their their fixtures this year and go look at how many teams they held to, you know, stone cold zero goals. And they held so many good teams to zero goals. And I, I really I think you have to credit Van Dyke. And I also think you have to really credit Jurgen Klopp's system for a ton of this because it's all about uh, he actually it's kind of similar to what Mourinho's teams used to do. Not really anymore. You know, we look at Mourinho teams now and it just seems like they're not interested in creating on the attack at all. But 
no team has ever been better at the transitional stages of the game. So the transitions in between offense and defense, the transition in between defense and offense, than the 2020 Liverpool team. I mean, they are, they are the, the second that the ball is lost, they are already transitioning in a defense. The, the second that it even looks like they might be able to get an interception or hit on the break, everyone is exactly where they need to be in their transition roles on offense. And, you know, it, it sounds so cliche to say it, but this team really is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And that's true because you could look at all all the stuff that they've had to overcome in recent years in terms of, you know, just struggling to get to the top. And, I, and I've said this before. A lot of these guys aren't exactly like youngsters in their prime, right? They're kind of in the middle of their prime. You know, Virgil van Dyke, he, he was at Southampton before this. He was playing for Celtic. He wasn't always at a top club right at the beginning of his career. Mo Salah had some... Not issues, but he had some trials and tribulations where it didn't work out at Chelsea. Went to Italy, came back to England again, and he's thriving there. And and again, it's just this timing thing that worked out for them, and everyone's fully bought in. And it's so rare to see someone not work out for them. Whereas we see what like Manchester City, as great as they are, they've had a lot of guys that just simply don't work out, like Cancelo that they bought for over fifty million pounds. He's having trouble getting used to their system and getting assimilated with the team. Whereas Liverpool, you see guys jump in and they're thriving, right? You could argue to an extent Naby Keita might be the only kind of guy who who hasn't been thriving to, to the level of his uh, potential like you would expect. But at the end of the day, it's just everyone is ba- is playing the best football of their career. And it, and it can't even be disputed, right? I mean... Van Dyke now, I mean, you could argue that there was someone close to him, Sergio Ramos, Kula Bali. He He's head and shoulders above everyone else at his position. And he's really this modern-day center back that's able to do so much. He could take your free-kick spots. He could score you the goals. He's as physical as they come. You know, 6-4, it's really transitioning to where we're not used to so many great athletes playing this sport that we're having great athletes playing this sport that are really good at the sport as well, right? Like, it's, it's it's getting used to it because we're really not accustomed to it because we see the Chavis of the world dominating the game, who's not even a great athlete, but now we're getting the Virgil van Dyke types um, that are seemingly just going to be taking over the game. Um, and yeah, credit to, to Klopp, too. This wasn't some overnight project that they did, that they got it turned around in one year, right? It, it took them to, you know, fi- qualify for Europa League. They got to the Europa League final. Then they were making it in the Champions League. They get to the Champions League final. They lost both of those, the Europa and the Champions League final. Then they get back to the Champions League final after after pulling off one of the greatest upsets in history. And, and you're just like, that's a hard team to beat because they're so mentally tough. And, and when a team is mentally tough, on top of the fact that they're probably the most talented team in the world when you go by position. I mean, even the fullbacks. We didn't even mention their fullbacks yet. It's the best fullback duo in the world probably since... Barcelona with, with Pep Guardiola's team I mean it's just that good and they're young and and you know what I don't really see them slowing down I wouldn't even get mad at you today if we're right in the middle of the beginning of July you're putting down Liverpool to win the league next year because it's totally plausible and and you know what at the end of the day their only real threat for me based off of everything I've seen because Chelsea still have some stuff to figure out is really just Manchester City again I still don't see right. other teams taking that leap for next season. I think it's going to be the year after when you finally see Chelsea full frontal. I think Chelsea will kind of be like in that two to three spot, you know, taking a little bit step further than they did this year. Yeah, uh, and I, I think you make a great point about the fullbacks because so much of what they do is actually related to their fullbacks. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a huge part of their offense, you know, takes all of their set pieces, of which they are, you know, one of the best teams in terms of turning set pieces into goals or goal-scoring opportunities. You know, and, and we say, you know, kind of the one weak spot of them as a team is Trent Alexander-Arnold's defensive abilities and the reason why he's able to play so far up the pitch and be such a huge part of their offense is because Virgil van Dyke plays right-sided center back and he's so good at stopping the counterattacks at getting in the way you know we're, we remember those uh if we want to go back to uh pre pre-pandemic pre-covid that uh that Tottenham Spurs game where it seemed like Liverpool was finally going to lose a game 
So Musa Sissoko gets uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold out of position, basically has a two-on-one against Virgil van Dijk, and van Dijk saves it, right? There's there's a two-on-one. Seems like, you know, this was a time when Spurs were surging, Manchester City was surging, and it would have been a big deal for Liverpool to lose a game. Virgil van Dijk saves that game by causing Musa Sissoko to put that shot above the bar, stopping the two-on-one, you know, counterattack. And I, I mean, I literally don't even know if you can put a dollar value on what Virgil van Dijk is able to do for Liverpool. I think what Messi does for Barcelona offensively is basically what van Dijk has done for Liverpool defensively. And that is that is very, very high praise. No, that is. And I totally agree with that because after they splashed all that cash in that January window, which obviously, as we know, or if people aren't that familiar with the transfer windows, a lot of the big moves go down in summertime. You don't really see stuff go down in January. They knew they needed something like that because they felt they were on the cusp of it and it absolutely paid off. And then again, you could even argue if you just get past Van Dyke, which is hard enough in the first place, you got to go against Allison, who's arguably the best keeper in the world too. So it's just everywhere you look from top to bottom on this team, it's just absolutely unbelievable. But let's talk really quick about a couple of transfers. Let's go with their direct rivals, Manchester City, right? Leroy Sané's gone. He's off to Bayern Munich. $45 million is the rumored price. He's already there to go sign the contract. Obviously didn't work out. He had the torn ACL, so he missed most of this year. He is personally my favorite player outside of uh, Milan. He's just so talented, and I think he could play on any team in the world. That's how good he really is, and I think Bayern sees that as well. They got an amazing price for him. Manchester City takes a big hit at the top of their lineup, especially with Aguero and his injury now. So that's going to affect Champions League odds and especially some of the FA Cup stuff going down. Look, Davis, this is a great get for Bayern. This just really adds to everything that they're doing. Just when you think there's like this little window that Bayern might be taking a step back and the Dortmunds of the world are going to move forward, they come out and pull off a move like this. Sané goes back to Germany where he's a um, national team player for. What do you think of this move? How does it affect City? I mean, how, how great, like Bayern's just a bigger threat now. It's just insane. Right. And, you know, Sané was extremely good for Manchester City last year in both the Champions League and the league. 10 goals, 10 assists in under 1,900 minutes in the league, only 21 starts. And then in four appearances, four starts in the Champions League, four goals, four assists for him. The year before that, 2017, 2018 in the league, uh, 27 starts, 10 goals, 15 assists. Like, this is a guy who was playing at the very top level of professional football and, you know, really through no fault of his own, he kind of like he kind of been replaced by Riyad Mahrez and I, I think that Bernardo Silva and Riyad Mahrez are very much Pep Guardiola style players whereas Sané kind of had to be fit into the system you know he's more of a put your head down and cross shoot from 20 yards out you know run around and make stuff happen so I think it was kind of an unnatural marriage and you know I'm sure Sané liked playing for Pep I'm sure Pep enjoyed playing you know enjoyed coaching Sané but Mahrez and Silva are really his style of player and you know he was uh, Leo Rusana was great for Schalke when he played in the Bundesliga before, and I think he's going to make you know a, a great fit heading back there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and you know what? Just thinking about the left side of Bayern Munich is just absolutely terrifying with Alfonso Davies and whatever else uh, they decide to add over there. But um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about one more massive transfer news, and it came out of Germany, a player heading to Italy involved with Spain. We'll explain more about all the moving parts more when we come back here on the Free Kick. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the free kick here on the SportsGrid TV network. Martino Puccio, Davis Maddock here chatting about all the top news and matches across football in Europe's top leagues. We're going to get into some MLS stuff later into the show because that is returning for the tournament next week. Davis, Hakimi is off to enter. And this is not, I'm not saying it's highway robbery, but it certainly feels like it in today's market when you get him for 40 million euros. No buyback clause from Madrid. I understand why Madrid did this to raise funds. They're comfortable with Carvajal. But this would have been one of the more clear upgrades that they could have made. This was by far the best right back that's on the market. You could argue 
he's maybe the best right back in the world behind Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, depending on who you talk to. He's headed over to Inter, Antonio Conte's team, who definitely is in dire need of a right wing back. Um, even though Victor Moses has been playing very well, you don't want to move forward if you want to win titles and trophies with Victor Moses as your starting right back. No disrespect to him whatsoever. But Akimi is off to enter, and I don't think they could have made a, a better purchase. They're going to be getting Tonali and Hakimi for around 80 million euros. So, I mean... <laughs> the, yeah, the the interesting thing about Hakimi is I think he would be, like, so I, I think he would be a really bad fit in the Premier League and is a very good fit for the German Bundesliga because he really is not a defensive player at all. If you watch the role that uh, if you watch the role that he played in for Dortmund, it's very similar. To, actually, you know, it's kind of similar to what Trent Alexander-Arnold did, where he really was kind of a, a winger and his main job was to cycle the ball, you know, up from the defense into the forwards, uh, crossed a ton, didn't have any role on set pieces the way that Alexander-Arnold did. But he is he's more of an offensive player than a defensive player and that should be a, a good fit for Inter specifically not every team in the Serie A does the 3-5-2 but a lot of teams use the 3-5-2 in Italy and the, the you know the uh, one of the wingbacks will be a more defensive player so you would hope that Inter uh you know would have a more like maybe maybe a you know a pressing midfielder would play on the left side as opposed to even a pure left back because you don't even want someone who thinks their primary job is to cross because theoretically the ball should be on the right side of the field a ton actually you know what it's kind of similar to what arsenal does but on the opposite side where they play um uh Sokka as the left back but in possession he's basically a left winger and the the right back just pretty much stays back the entire time i could see that being a very good fit in enter yeah, uh, especially with Antonio Conte, like this, this is such a perfect fit. This is literally what they needed, and the fact that you could just imagine him linking up with some of these guys like Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku on the right side, I mean, it's just it helps so much. And the game in Italy is really not a fast-paced game either, and we've seen a lot of guys who were just strictly speed-wise thriving there. Gerard De Lufeo, who was a former Everton player, he now plays on the bottom of the Premier League for Watford, but he came into the league and he was just taking over a game simply because he was just so much faster and it's such a slower-paced, tactical-based league. Now that you have arguably the best manager in the league getting the best right back on the market, I mean, this is exactly what you're looking for when you're trying to see some potential future changing in Serie A in terms of a team trying to fight for this title, right? And, and I really do think this helps a lot because there's going to be certain games where Victor Moses isn't going to step up against uh, a Napoli of the world or a Atalanta of the world, but he'll step up against a Brescia, right? Because Brescia's awful. So you could depend on him for there. But if you want to win the title, you're going to need a guy like Hakimi to win it because he's proven in the Champions League. He's proven it against top teams like uh, Bayern Munich and all the other really solid teams in the in the Bundesliga. Now, you just get that and, and things are just going to go so much smoother for them. And it makes this project a lot more legitimate because now he had offers from other big clubs, apparently. He's accepting offers for teams like this that... You know, it changes everything because when teams like Inter, who who are kind of like on the downturn, same thing with Liverpool, they were kind of poor around the same time. There weren't those weren't two major options for top players in the market to go to, right? Those were two less options. So instead, you're going to Manchester City's and and the same thing with recruiting in college basketball, where the one and done kids are just going to Kentucky, the Dukes of the world, every single year, right? Because there's so much roster turnover now. They're just, they have so many more options and they're all viable projects. Like, there's nothing wrong with going to Inter now, uh, opposed to some of these other teams, right? You could argue, like, they're historically great. I mean, they're the last Italian team to win a Champions League. They have a bunch of history. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And, and it's a good, respectable league too, right? You could argue it's the third best league in the world. Depends on who you talk to. So, I, I really think it's a fascinating move for them. But, I mean, again... Uh, I'm a little confused by Real Madrid, but I think there's something up their sleeve that they're going to try and pull off, and I think it, it has something to do with Mbappe to raise funds for him. But that's for another day. But Davis, sticking back to La Liga, Barcelona-Atletico was the biggest match of the week. There's no debate about it. It was a great match 
We saw we saw a retaken penalty kick for Saul, who bagged two of them. Yana Carrasco was amazing. We saw own goals by Diego Costa. Messi scores his 700th goal of his career. That has to do with all competitions, including international play with Argentina as well. Real Madrid go ahead clear on points. By one point, they will be playing a little bit after we are recording this, so we'll see what happens there. Huge point for Atletico Madrid. Huge draw for Barcelona, who didn't look that poor in this match considering the opponent that they played. But again, this is what we were talking about. The the schedule for Barcelona in the long run for your futures bets, it just doesn't bode well for them. And now you're you're just really looking at them like, it is one point, we'll see what Real Madrid do, but this can start slipping away a lot faster than you think. It can start slipping away super fast. And I just, I find it interesting that things are, are so close at the top here between Madrid and Barcelona. That I mean, that draw was so, so massive for Real Madrid, you know, because they have, they have, uh, you know, a, a nice little run in coming up for them, you know, basically games where we should expect things to not be competitive. They play Getafe. I mean, Bilbao is, is fine. You know, I don't think they're a great team or anything. Deportivo Alaves, Granada, Villarreal, Leganes, like these are, these are all teams that we feel, you know, they're probably like, they're going to be, they're going to be minus 150 favorites or better in all of those games, and they have Kareem Benzema right now. I mean, just in the form you of saw that absolute life. Oh, I mean, he is <laughs> he is absolutely just raking over the coals, hot fire right now. And you know, it does it doesn't even seem to matter that Gareth Bale and Zinedine Zidane are not on us. Speaking terms, they play Vinicius Junior or they play Rodrigo. And you know, when uh, when when uh, Luka Modric doesn't feel like playing, they have uh, you know Francisco Valverde. They have Tony Cruz. They have Casemiro, who is for my money probably the best defensive midfielder in Agreed. the world. 100%. I mean, I I, I got to say, I I think Madrid ends up. I think that draw shifted things. I think Madrid wins the league. Yeah, and you know what the great thing about Madrid is too? A lot of the time with the, with the Barcelona match, they didn't even put in Griezmann. They're putting in Griezmann with like the last seven minutes. For for Real Madrid, they're subbing their guys because they're up by a, a decent margin. So they're getting extra rest. Like Sergio Ramos, the amount of goals he's scoring is just absurd. He's getting free kicks too. Um, and they're just resting him. He gets like a solid 20, 30 minutes of rest. Like that's so invaluable to what they're doing. And that's what we were discussing when you're putting down futures bets is like, just look at the depth on top of just, you know, the starting 11 that they put out there. When you have the ability to just rest guys like that and you're taking advantage of the teams that you should be beating. Like Barcelona drawing against Sevilla. Like Sevilla's good. They might make the Champions League considering uh, the way things are going to be playing out for them. Barcelona's just not doing that, and they're kind of relying on Ansu Fati to carry things. They're kind of relying on Suarez, and it's still just messy FC. Like, it's just, he's creating everything. He's getting fouled all the time. He's scoring Panenkas for his 700th career goal. It's just, everyone is really, week by week, game by game, everyone is is looking at it, and they're saying, like, what is Barcelona going to do once he's gone? Because it's really, it's really a topic of conversation now, because you start to get worried about it. And I can't help but think about it's just LeBron and the Cavaliers. It, it's the same thing. It's, yeah, there's talent on the roster. It's an aging roster, kind of like the last time um, when he was on the Cavs. You just have a feeling it's all going to uh, come apart the second he's gone. He just turned 33. Like, it's, I know we talk about it every week, but this is a massive deal. Like, because now you're kind of just looking at, like, the tide is turning just for Real Madrid to, like, take the league almost every single year. And that's not something ridiculous or outlandish to say, because at a certain point, like, it's just not working out. When Anton Griezmann, a guy that you thought that just come into the lineup and work out, I mean, he hasn't scored in eight games, Davis. That's. I mean, everyone, everyone they buy just turns into nothing. They buy Philippe Coutinho. Remember, remember Usman Dembele? Remember him? Remember when they spent $50 million buying He's got worse hamstrings than Jose Reyes, man. It's It's horrible. Yeah, I mean, look at the guys who lead them in minutes. PK, 33. Messi, 33. Griezmann, 29. Busquets, 31. Then you get some youth in De Jong and Longley. Sergio Roberto, 28. Jordi Alba, 31. The Luis Suarez, transfer. 33. Yeah, Pian- I mean, they're, they're getting older, right? Arthur, young Brazilian playmaker. You think that he can kind of be trained to take over that, uh, that Iniesta role in the midfield, that left-sided creative player and they they switch him to Miralem Pjanic who I am 
pretty sure is over the age of 30 at this point. He's 30 currently, and he has declined at such a rapid pace. It is very alarming. But I know from what I understand from the books-wise, Barcelona actually cleared a lot in terms of that. Yeah, saved $10 million. You do, but it's like, who cares about money when you have Messi right now? And you have a finite amount of years that you're not going to be, like, it's, you're not going to be competing for the Champions League every year like this. Like, they don't understand before and after Messi, it wasn't like this. Before Ronaldinho showed up, this wasn't the Barcelona that we know it. It was really Real Madrid dominating that league and winning everything. It wasn't Barcelona. Barcelona was tossed into this conversation because of Leo Messi. And once he's gone, like that 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 takes a big damper. They'll be okay because financially they're still one of the bigger clubs in the world. They'll be able to spend money. But director-wise, if none of that stuff is changing, I don't see anything else changing for Barcelona. So for me, I'm really out on them in the long run, not just this year. Um, FA Cup action was back. We have to talk about this real quick before we head out. Manchester United going into overtime, 120 minutes. They advance. Arsenal advance over Sheffield. I know we both didn't want to watch that. We didn't watch that. Arsenal ended up winning. Hooray for them. Sheffield has been dreadful as well. So I'm not really missing much out on there. Chelsea still look really good. Have your thoughts changed that much? Is it still Manchester City for you? Or do you still think it's the top three dogs with United, Chelsea, and City? Because for me, I think my money might be going with City because City wants to take home a trophy, at least in a somewhat lost season. You know, I got to admit, this United team is growing on me, right? So Bruno is, Bruno is awesome. That the, the Pogba-Bruno midfield interplay with, you know, either McTominay or Matic, you know, staying in the hole behind them to to make, you know, basically you have to play Pogba with a guy who's more or less a third center back to just give him, because what his best position was not the way that Mourinho was playing him as the oh pure God, number yeah. 10. No. His best position was where he was played, you know, where he plays for the French national team and where he played for Juventus, where, you know, his job is to cycle the ball from defense to offense and to shoot long shots. You know, you don't want him always providing that final pass. You yeah. want him providing the pass before the pass. Yeah, we'll get into some of that more when we're back here on the free kick. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the free kick here on the SportsGrid TV network. Martino Puccio, Davis Maddock alongside you talking all things football, but we're going to get into... Well, not football, football. I mean, European football. Not to get confused because Davis has his Patrick Mahomes jersey on. So I don't want to cause a bit of confusing here uh, if you're tuning in. But we're talking soccer, obviously. And Davis, there's a couple big matchups in Italy this weekend involving the teams from Rome. First, we'll get into Lazio Milan. Immobile and Caicedo are both out. These are two huge losses for them. They kept pace, winning midweek, only still four points behind Juve. But this is where the depth issue comes in for Lazio. We know how great Immobile has been. 29 goals this season. I don't care how many penalties he's taken. If you convert your penalties, you deserve the credit for it. Cristiano Ronaldo has the same percentage of penalties uh, compared to his goals scored. So, I mean, they've both been so clinical from the spot. But I want to talk a little bit DFS before we get into some of the odds here. Where are you leaning towards other options with Lazio? We know they have a lot of creative players with Luis Alberto, Correa, and Milinkovic Savic. Are those three main guys that you're going to be looking towards to fill in while Immobile is sitting out in this match? The interesting thing about what Lazio can do when Immobile doesn't play is they can actually play Luis Alberto as kind of like a, a false nine style player. And then, you know, what, what they can do from there is they can play Sergei Milinkovic Savage in Luis Alberto's spot, which is actually something that I, I love when they do that because I'm a big, big Sergei Milinkovic Savage guy. I'm actually so surprised. I'm so surprised he he stuck around for Lazio this season, you know, didn't end up playing. He seems like a perfect player for, you know, Manchester United, Manchester City. Uh, he would be incredible. Lotito's in- very shrewd. He's commanding like 150 million euros. So it's yeah, like- very very smart you know i i think uh i i think he i mean when he sells he should be he should set the he should reset the world record for most expensive player because when he when he goes to the epl he is going to be 
you know, like very similar to what Bruno Fernandez is doing for United, where he is, you know, he's driving the ball of the field. He's scoring all these bangers. You know, he just he just looks uh, he just looks incredible up there. And uh, but but like, I think that this title chase for Lazio, I mean, they don't want to miss Chiro at all because, yeah, I think it's interesting what they can do with Alberto at false nine and and SMS playing up higher. But then that means, you know, they're playing guys who, you know, Daniel Danilo Cataldi has to play big minutes. They have to ask for 90 minutes out of Marco Parolo. They got to play young guys like um, like Andres Anderson, like Devion Anderson, who is, you know, one of their combination defender midfielder guys. Lucas Leva has to play big minutes. And, you know, that's not what you want in the middle of a title chase. You want you want to play your 11 guys. You, you don't want guys subbing yeah. in. Yeah, and that, that's really been the main issue and point of emphasis for kind of staying away from them and on the futures markets is that it's going to be difficult playing every few days. Guys are going to pick up suspensions, injuries, and, and we saw that now. And there's still a couple more guys that could be cautioned to getting a yellow card. And, and you know what? That impacts the game after that, too. So... Now for this matchup, right? They're the favorites in this. I do think they should be the favorites. They played Milan earlier this season. I know it was a different team, but at the end of the day, that was the first time they beat them in Milan for the first time in nearly 30 years. So again, it's just this whole attitude and and you know resiliency of the squad that they're able to just overcome so much all the time. It's like the Fiorentina game, the game midweek. Uh, and it's just they didn't come back against Atalanta. I understand they blew the 2 nothing lead there, but that could have spiraled them out of control and they could have fallen out of this race, but they didn't. They're still in it. Right now, plus 135, money line favorites. I'm not feeling particularly strong about them grabbing the full three points because Milan has been playing, although, I mean, yesterday, I don't even want to talk about it. They registered 35 shots and only scored two goals against Spall. One of them being an own goal. That was hilarious. Right there, they're catching them in a good spot. They got an extra day of rest. Their defense is very sound. There's not many threats coming from them. Look, I, th- I think it's really safe for one of the best plus money line favorites in Lazio this weekend. Because, I mean, I'm not seeing many reasons to go against them based off of everything. I understand the subs with Immobile getting moved in there. I mean, plus yeah, I mean, how, how, how can we not think that they're favorites for this game against AC Milan? You know, like how, how can we no, not, how can we not want to bet on them? No, no, no. I, I mean, look, there, there's some people, I, I personally think a draws in play. I know they play, I know Milan played poorly, but they've been stepping up against some of the better teams in the league. Like Juve, they didn't lose against in the two games they played in, in the cup match. Then they beat Roma two nothing. It's, and again, they like, you can't rely on them. So even then, if you like, you're not. I'm not nowhere here. We saying go pick Milan for the upset. I, I don't see that. I think at worst it might be a draw for Lazio, but I, I would take them there. Um, in terms of both teams to score, I, I could lean no, and that's at plus one hundred eight. And, and honestly, Lazio's defense is very sound. If they could play this defensively and just try and go on the counter attack, they get rewarded more penalties than any other team in the league. And I know that has to do with Immobile sometimes. But that really is just a, a testament to their patience and getting the best opportunities possible in the final third. So for me, I think it's Lazio all the way. I'm not sure they're going to cover, though, in the three-way push. It's a minus one at plus 370. I don't see them winning 2 nothing. I think that's a little bit too much to ask considering of who they're missing in this game. Now, if they had one of Caicedo or Immobile, I'd say go right ahead. That's something you should jump on. But for me, I would kind of stay away from that. I'm not sure how you feel about all this stuff. And the over-under 2.5 goals, too. Over 2.5 is at minus 104. That's something I could see, a 2-1 win for Lazio. And you could you could maybe even say that, you know, the right way to bet on this game would be, you know, instead of betting, if you think that Lazio is able to get a result here, you know, just double down on them to win the league as because, you know, Juventus, uh, look, man, they, the, the form is just not there for for Juventus. I know they've been grinding out these results, but I just I just don't feel good about the performances that they've been putting out on, a very on the tough field schedule right now. Very tough schedule. Yeah, you know, they play Torino, who I do not think is a a walkover team at all. They play AC Milan. It's a big rivalry there. Yeah, Yeah, they play Atalanta, who, you know, right now, as we are talking, beating up on Napoli. Uh, They have a game coming up against Lazio. So I think, you know, right now, a a good bet instead of betting on the game might just be if you think they get a result, place a little bit more down on Lazio futures. 
Yeah, I, I, I think it would be the time to do that. I know people are still off on Juve a little bit. I mean, that Ronaldo goal was absolutely unbelievable against Genoa. And then Dybala has just been their best player by far. I don't think this is like even a conversation. I know Delict has really rounded into form uh, since he got used to the league coming over from Ajax. And he's just going to be like, I mean, listen... Right now, we could talk about some futures for for Euros, Davis. Like, Stefan de Frey, Virgil van Dijk, and Matthias de Ligt. All for the Netherlands. I mean, who really wants to face that defense in a knockout tournament? I know I don't want to. That team can beat anybody. And it's funny because it's the Dutch. The Dutch are not known for defense. They're known for attacking style football. So, that's just something to put on the barn burner um, for later on. But yeah, look, I mean, you just got to roll with Lazio here, play it safe. So we'll move on over to the other big match with Roma and Napoli in this one. Yeah, I thought Napoli could have done all right in this matchup against Atalanta. They've been playing a lot better. They won Coppa Italia. Roma looked terrible. If a team, I would have to pick in the money line here. And look, there's no shame in, in, in Napoli losing to Atalanta in this. Everyone's seemingly doing that. I think I would take Napoli easily in this one. And I think I'd go over two and a half goals as well. Yeah, I think over two and a half for sure, because, you know, the strength of Roma is their ability to generate goals. The strength of Napoli is their ability to generate goals. You know, no one looks at Napoli and is like, wow, what a what a stout defensive team. No one's able to score on them. You know, both of these teams want to get there through generating goals. I mean, look at the way that Roma lines up defensively. They they basically play a guy who can't move at left back in Alexander Kolarov, who, you know, he basically just kind of hangs out by the halfway line. And then when he thinks he's going to be able to get a cross in, he moves up about 15 yards to launch a cross into Ed and Jacko's forehead. And then, you know, their combination of right backs, which is, you know, going to, yeah, they, you know, they play Bruno Perez there, who is, who's basically a winger, right? They like really is, has no interest in, uh, you know, has no interest in defending at all. Basically all the guys they play at right back are, you know, straight up uh, attacking style right backs. You know, they, they have um, David Zappacosta who does the same thing. Alessandro Florenzi, not on the team anymore, but basically did the same thing. Spinazzola, same thing. So it, it's weird. They, they play a back four, but the fullback play like they're in a back five yeah totally and and you know what the funny thing about that is if you wanted to go parlay single game parlay with napoli uh the game total over two and a half goals napoli money line would get you at plus 205 it's just stuff like that that i love it's just i feel so confident in about the way these defenses are playing and the way they're generating their chances that if you're lose if, if milan can score two goals on roma i could only imagine what napoli is capable of doing right and then on top of like just Roma being awful, I think they were overachieving for most of the season. In terms of all the teams that were up top near the table, I think it was clearly Roma that was overachieving in this. And Napoli is clearly the big underachiever. They're completely motivated and look different, barring that Atalanta game that's going on at the moment. They look great. And you know what? I, I don't see how I wouldn't take Roma in this. And I would jump on it as soon as possible. I wouldn't even be too concerned about the lineups being released at a certain time. So for me, I would probably roll with something like that. Plus 205, again, like that's great value that you can get. And it's nothing ridiculous. Hell, even if you just wanted to go over um, three and a half goals, if you wanted to, you know, get a little uh, pep in your set, plus 439. I mean, 3-1 game. Not that crazy, I you know, I mean, but I would probably stick to the safer um, over two and a half to get at plus 205. Is there anything else you kind of like in this matchup? Um, result in both to score? Do you like both teams to score potentially? What do you oh, think? what about, what do we got uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook? What do we have for both teams to score and a draw i i think that that would be that would be the one that i would be most okay interested both in. teams to score and a draw will get you at plus 319 i like that a lot that is um that's pretty solid i could i could see a draw coming up in this i just i don't know there's something about roma that i just don't love but yeah i like if, if you think a draw is in play go for it like i mean why not it's and, and look you get odds like that you're not really asking for a lot right you just need two things to happen and you cash out at plus 319 i think it's definitely plausible um yeah so i i love stuff like that and this is what the FanDuel sportsbook offers um you just got to play around with it a lot right it's just a couple options within a game if you like heavy matchups and favorites um in certain other certain areas that's that's a place you can go to uh as well any other strategies that you've been using lately real quick um that you like to do for same game parlays or just kind of something like this 
So, you know, one of the things that I, I think you and I have talked about before is just take advantage of when the lines seem to be favoring the home team a little bit too much. Like when you think that the away team is a little bit better of a team because, you know, there really is no home field advantage in these games. Now there's no fans, you know, we have, of course we have bar taking place in all of these games. So I just, I don't really see an opportunity for home field advantage to take place. And some games are, you know, still being priced uh, like the, like home field advantage exists. Yeah, so we'll get into some more of that when we come back here on the free. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the final segment of the day for the free kick. Martino Puccio, Davis Maddock, alongside me. Davis, there's another... Bunch of, I mean, there's so many great top matchups throughout Europe each weekend, each weekday. Not really that many that we love in the Premier League, so we're just going to be sticking to La Liga to round things out here. Real Madrid take on Athletic Bilbao. Listen, Real Madrid again. We we talked about them. We love how much they're rolling. They have they have a pretty viable, respected opponent midweek against Catafa right after we are recording this. So. Real Madrid is going to enter this game against Bilbao, minus 175 favorites. Again, this is like one of the things I love that I've been doing with Emparley since the, the leagues come back. Anytime I could see a price on a heavy favorite, like a Real Madrid that's a very deep team, I'm going to put them in a money line parlay or, or parlay in which I have over two and a half goals. Or, for example, you like both teams to score in Napoli and Roma, right? So you put yes for that on top of Real Madrid money line. That's a quick plus 151 parlay. Two two game parlay, not much to ask for. Definitely feasible um, to have happen. Um, it's just stuff like that again, Davis, that we've been talking about that you could just easily hit. Yeah, uh, I love doing big money line parlays because obviously you know people don't enjoy you know if you're if you're making a bet you want to get double your money back right like it's not that fun to bet. 50 bucks and get 35 bucks back. So I think a great thing to do is if you if you like a game, you know, if you like Manchester City to win, if you like Real Madrid to win, you like United to win, um, and we just have so many games going on right now, so it's not like you have to wait until the next day or wait a couple hours. Like we have we have so many games going on at the we have so many games going on at the same time. It's it's easy to find games going on at the exact same time that we that we like that we think that the the, the parlays make sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I was doing that yesterday. I mean, listen, I thought Chelsea and Milan could both take care of business against West Ham, West Ham and Spall um, on top of Inter, and that was like a plus 190 parlay for me. I mean, it didn't work out, but again, I'm still taking that every single day of the week if it's offered to me, simply because like you should take stuff like that when you're seeing heavy favorites, and I know sometimes it's difficult when you see um, games like that that you're really not that... Um, confident on because of the short rest and all that stuff but at the end of the day when you're looking at certain teams that are facing other you know i mean real madrid has to be down on bilbao right you 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 think lazio is going to beat milan so you got to do that like lazio and real madrid two team parlay doing 269 yeah yeah I'm, i'm in on that i love i love all these parlays for sure I, 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 lo- I like I don't I don't get it. I know people are a little scared sometimes because of the draw factor. I don't think te- people should be that worried about draws that often. Like it, like it's just not it's not something that you should be worried about because they do have to happen a good amount of the time. But you gotta remember at the end of the day, we're getting deeper into these condensed seasons right now, and a lot of the teams that aren't as deep are gonna be tiring out a lot faster than the teams that have depth. So when you, when you're betting on the teams that have more depth, your your luck is gonna go towards you. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I don't know if you disagree with that philosophy. I just think I just think that's just the way it works out because at the end of the day, you're asking guys to play in extreme summer heat that they're not used to, playing three to four days a week with a lot of these bottom table teams. That never happens. Like they're not doing that. They're they're usually playing once a week. It's only the teams towards the top of the table from Europa League up that are playing the three to four uh, days a week. And even then, you get this long break that you had that's three months or so. Like, it all factors in. It's just you have to, at some point, take it into consideration. 
So I, I think you make a great point. Another point is, you know, the later that we get into the season, the points become more important for both teams. So both the surviving teams and both the teams up towards the top of the table and the teams become more and more incentivized to pursue strategies that are a little bit higher variance in terms of being possible for wins, but leaving them more open at the back, leaving them open for losses. So as the teams become more incentivized to win, the draw lines are going to be less and less accurate. And it's, you know, it's going to be more and more profitable to be betting on wins and losses as opposed to draws. Even over unders too, right? Because if teams are pushing to win games, um, they're going to be higher up the field, which means their back end is more exposed, meaning there's going to be more opportunities for goals to be scored. And, and it's just stuff like that that slowly adds up. Um, it's kind of been difficult. I'm not going to lie. I was way hotter on the Bundesliga than everything else um, by far. I think I was above 60% on my, on my plays in that. With this, I'm struggling a little bit, but I'm slowly getting the hang of it. And again, like again, just another example that we're talking about with stuff we like. Napoli, Lazio, Real Madrid, money line, parlay, right? Take a guess on what this is coming out to. Uh, let's say like plus one fifty. Plus six seventy six. There we go. That's there we go. That's get it. That's ridiculous. I went the other day. It was so close because Atletico drew. I had Atletico, Inter, and then I believe, uh, I forget what the other match was. Oh, no, no, no. It was, yeah, it was Lazio, Juve, and Atletico Madrid win. That was at plus, like, 490. And it was it was close to coming out because Atletico was a big-time underdog in that they were, like, around, like, plus 320 or something like that. But, again, we're looking at favorites that are minus 175, plus 135, plus 110. It, again, it's just, to me, it's just amazing that you could get stuff like this. And I know... The odds of it don't work out, but again, at the end of the day, it's all about what you're risking sometimes. With FanDuel, there's not a minimum that they're saying, hey, you have to at least put 20 bucks down for this. Like, you get the great option of putting down $10 if you want to. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to be spending as much on $10. Just consider it it's the money that you're not spending on gas at the current moment because you're not driving anywhere because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So you might as well just put it on these three heavy favorites to win. Um, any other t- matchups or something that you like this weekend? Is the Barcelona Villarreal matchup enticing to you at all? Or are you just sticking away from Barca? Because I'm kind of slowly going away from it other than maybe I'll take Messi to score a goal at a certain point, but that's really it for me, man. I think, um, I think that game in particular is really interesting because they play such uh, different styles, right? Villarreal just plays super, super defensive. You know, pretty much all of their offense is generated through, you know, set pieces and, uh, you know, they draw a ton of penalties. Obviously, they have. Uh, Gerard Moreno is a great forward and Santi Cazorla is, uh, you know, one of, like somehow at the age of 35, he's gotten completely healthy and has kind of transformed the way that they play football. But you know, just messy when a title is on the line. I mean, I want to be, I want to be betting on that guy because he's going to play 90 minutes. He is not going to stop until the game is put away. Villarreal is, is what right now is standing in between them and sitting alone at the top of the table. So I, I do like the Barcelona money line. I know we've been talking about how we are not inspired by a lot <laughs> of the Barcelona players, but we are very inspired by Leo Messi, of course. Sometimes that's all you need, right? One score games a lot of the time. All it takes is a simple trick from Messi. Next thing you know, like Barca's ahead of Real Madrid by a point. And, and that's everything, considering what the odds are going to be going for some of that feature. It's just... To me, sometimes with with the way they're playing, minus 135, I don't know. The way they played against Atletico, if they do that against Villarreal, they're winning that. Like, Atletico is a very respectable opponent, in my opinion. And it's very tough to grind out a game like that against one of the better defensive sides in Europe. Like, I know we're talking about their form for Atletico and how poor they were playing prior to the season returning. Like, it's, it's, you know... I don't know. I just can't count out Simeone, too. Like, he's probably the greatest motivator um, in terms of intensity in the whole sport at the moment, and it's kind of hard to back off against him. Messi again, man. I don't know. I just... This is legacy stuff, right? And we talk about how... Sometimes I talk about this with Kevin Walsh and how this summer is so important for LeBron James in the NBA because it's simply a legacy summer. Like, if LeBron wins this, like, this is, you know, that's four titles... He's winning it in a pandemic year. 
it's winning it after Kobe Bryant said like it just carries so much more weight because the memory is just gonna last a lot longer than it would be any other year right now like there's so much going against Leo Messi that if he somehow pulls this off it's just like like what what can he even say about the guy anymore because it's just it's just disgusting and (laughs) he's so good like I I don't even know what to say because you get this whole vibe about a team and it's a team sport and again he just he's just pulling this out of nowhere all the time I I don't know I get left speechless by this guy and I don't really understand the concept that he's just not one of the greatest or the greatest ever because he didn't win a world cup it's just silly to me I don't know that's just me venting (laughs) yeah I mean he is he's the best soccer player of all time and great fun so he lost in the final against germany you know it was a zero zero game literally where, where you go player direction. to player player to player germany has the advantage almost everywhere except for like two literally positions. everywhere yeah like like they are they are you know they have amazing infrastructure they were you know 22 guys deep their their bench would have been better than they won seven to one against the home t- home country like no one yeah. does that that's you know i don't care who's missing from that game we haven't seen anything like that and then we're just like asking Messi here who doesn't have a, a big defensive line and all this like i don't know that's just i mean that's just us venting i guess about this stuff because it gets so ridiculous and and we used to hear it about like it's it's really the parallels you could just draw with lebron like i i try not to do the generational thing i just try to do whoever i saw i'll consider the greatest right like, LeBron's by far the greatest basketball player. I'm not going to give him crap for not beating, like, you know, Kevin Durant's Warriors. Like, what is he supposed to do? <laughs> like, the, fa- the fact that he's got him there and he's getting them within certain points in, in amount of games. Like, he was, like, they had the lead in over 80% of the minutes that he was playing in the finals. It's just the 14% of the minutes that he's not playing, his teammates are not coming through for him. How is that his fault? Why should his legacy take a hit for something someone else didn't do? It's, it's just, for me, that's, that's why it's silly that Higuain misses a sitter in the finals and somehow Messi's not the greatest because of what his teammate didn't do right like Maradona that, didn't that, score the goal that Ron in the is, yeah like Ron is the greatest because Ron's always had better teammates I mean even the even better the, coaches the better teammates better international yeah. players hell why doesn't anybody talk about when Cristiano goes down in, in the Euro final that his team wins when he's out yeah, yeah, he, he had to have Eder, who plays for you know literally, it's just like a total. I don't even know where he is. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I believe I think he, I think he plays in Russia now. But like that guy saved that guy gave Ron you know the only international hardware of his career. Yeah, and they use the UEFA Nations League, which I don't carry any weight. That's like a competition that's like we're playing the group stage in it in November, but the titles in April. Like that's not a competition that should count. But Messi has an Olympic gold medal, and he's been to more international finals than cristiano has so i don't know i mean that's just like it's a funny debate i think they're both amazing players and they're proving it again and the longevity that they've had is unparalleled in the sports history i mean it's just you haven't seen it before zidane one of the greatest players of all time he was done in his early mid 30s like these guys are 33 35 like cristiano has got like 25 goals in the toughest defensive league in the world like i mean I can't wait for for them to come to the MLS. By the way, those dudes like the, like. So where do you go, real quick? So where are we betting? I think I don't think either is coming in New York. I think one goes to Miami. I think Cristiano goes to Miami for David Beckham. Miami, and then and then one of them goes to the Galaxy too, as well. I would imagine, or or NYCFC. I think those would be the the destinations. <sighs> NYCFC never pull off the big dogs like that. You know, it's always could, like could the Franklin. Could be Red Bulls as well, where where Thierry Henry played. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully we see something like that. Davis, it was great chatting with you as always. Thanks everyone so much for watching. We'll see you next week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.